There's a lot of stress in the world right now. So on this episode of the Concast, we're going to talk about it. everybody happy friday my name is connor collins i am a registered massage therapist and sports injury therapist practicing 45 minutes outside of toronto ontario and canada for episode 13 of the concast i want to talk about what's going on in the world right now with respect to this very very stressful event so as many of you know almost all of you know and will be affected by this in some way, the COVID-19 virus and the pandemic that has ensued as a result of that has changed everybody's lives for the time being. Many of us are uh, in self-isolation or social distancing in an attempt to try and flatten out the curve, which is fantastic. And the first thing that I want to do is say thank you to everybody that's on the front lines helping to treat and neutralize this virus to the best of their abilities. But the reality of this is, is this is bringing about a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. And so what I thought that I would do for today's episode is just talk about stress in general, talk about how stress is created in the body, the perception of stress, perception of anxiety from a physiological standpoint, and maybe some things that Uh, I've found to be helpful for me. So the first thing that I want to do is just a little bit of a disclaimer to say that this isn't advice in terms of specific psychiatric disorders. This isn't advice in terms of specific mental health disorders. I'm just communicating this from my standpoint as to what has been helpful for me. And the first thing is, is that what has been helpful for me in terms of managing stress and anxiety and the changes and the dynamics of life won't always work for everybody. They work for a lot of people, but they don't work for everyone. And so it's important first and foremost to try and find what works for you and then create a routine around that. If we look at stress, there are two major types of stress. There is something called eustress. And these are stressors that we see as positive stressors. A stressor is something that creates a stress response. And a stressor may be something physical, like exercise, or it may be something social, like you get in a fight with a partner or a friend. So eustress is something that we consider to be a positive stressor. For example, if I go for a run and I come away feeling great from that run, that run was a eustress for me. Now, on the opposite side, we have something known as distress. Distress, we perceive as negative stressors. So this might be, I haven't exercised in a very, very long time, and I might be out of shape. I start my run, and I go into a really, really high respiratory rate, high heart rate. I have a lot of pain. I feel like I can't breathe. That, to me, has been perceived now as distress. Now, the first thing that we have to recognize is a lot of it is about circumstance and a lot of it is about perception. 
not everything that I perceive as eustress will be perceived as eustress by everybody else. So positive and or negative stressors are certainly changed by our environment, our experience, where we're at in our lives, where we're at in our physical and mental health. And not everything is the same for everyone. When we talk about how our bodies manage stress from a physiological standpoint, and physiology is really the function of the systems in our body, both in isolation, but more importantly, how they come together as one big system. There are two channels in our body that really manage stress. We have a component of our nervous system known as the autonomic nervous system. Autonomic meaning automatic. And one side of that nervous system is the sympathetic nervous system. And the other side is the parasympathetic nervous system. And if you were to summarize them very simply, the sympathetic nervous system is more of our animal brain, the part of our brain that is responsible for our survival. And the parasympathetic nervous system is a little bit more mindful and responsible for overall relaxation, well-being, let's say. So what is ideal for us is that we have a reasonable balance between these two systems at all time. And what this allows us to do is to manage both physical and mental stressors in our body and allow us to maintain a relatively neutral balance. Now, what happens if we're unable to maintain a neutral balance? So let's just talk about two scenarios. One is in the short term. So my day is going really, really well, and I get in a fight with a coworker. And that stressor I perceive as distress. So I perceive that as a very negative situation. When I perceive things as negative, There's an area of my brain known as the hindbrain or the more animalistic brain. And when I experience these perceivably negative stressors, that reptile brain takes over. That area of the brain will send a signal down to an area of the body known as the adrenal medulla. So the adrenal glands are two little glands that sit on top of the kidneys and the adrenal gland has a cortex, cortex meaning bark or covering, and it has a medulla or a center. So when I get really stressed out, my reptile brain sends a signal down to my adrenal medulla, and my adrenal medulla will release adrenaline into my bloodstream. And adrenaline is essentially what's in an EpiPen if we have to deal with somebody with an allergic reaction, we inject an EpiPen into the thigh, that is essentially the same thing that's being released into our bloodstream. So what does that adrenaline do? That adrenaline will increase our heart rate, increase our blood pressure, increase our breathing, increase the amount of sugar in our bloodstream. It will cause our pupils to dilate or get really, really big. And it will also cause our vision to become more focal so we won't see things in our peripheral vision as well. It will decrease our digestion, and more importantly, it will increase our perception of pain and increase the potential for anxiety and or depression. Now, the premise behind this is that when our animal brain gets activated, that we are in a survival mode. 
So the example that's often given is if you were running away from a bear in the forest, this is what would happen and your vision would become very, very focal because you're looking at the direction that you're running and you're not interested in what's in your periphery and so on. But the reality of it is, is we don't run away from a bear in the forest very often. But what we do often is we get stressed out by either finances, circumstances, career, personal life. And so this same thing will happen under those circumstances. Now, this isn't always a bad thing. And that's one of the things that we have to recognize is that this can happen in very stressful environments that are non-productive, but it can also happen in very stressful environments that are productive. So if you think about sports and athletics, we're using our sympathetic nervous system, which gets increased by that animal brain to maximize our strength our performance, our speed, our power. However, if we're not in an environment where we're using that adrenaline productively to do something most of the time that's physical, we experience these byproducts of the adrenaline being dumped into our bloodstream, being the heart rate being elevated, our blood pressure being elevated. And that doesn't feel good to us. That creates that physiological sensation of anxiety. And that's what really drives things like feelings of anxiousness and an anxiety attack. Now, let me clarify, this is from the aspect of our physiology inside our body. This doesn't take away from the mental stressors or the mental health component of anxiety. The mental health component of what's perpetuating anxiety is incredibly complex, but the end byproduct are these feelings that are being driven by the animal brain. So that's what happens in the short term. Now, what happens in the long term? Let's say we can't really manage these short-term bouts of stress. So we're at our jobs and every day we have the same run-in with the same person and we feel the same way. Over time, over the course of many months or even years, we start to get a different adaptation. So our nervous system can no longer manage these scenarios in the short term. So what happens is our endocrine system or the system in our body that's responsible for managing our hormones starts to come in to try and help us out. And this comes from an area in the brain known as the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. The hypothalamus is an area of the brain that's responsible for responding to things like social defeat. So things where we might feel defeated by others, either personally, either in a large group or small group settings. It's also responsible for predatory defense. What that means is things that we see or perceive as threatening. And a lot of this is based on our experience as we go through our life and Everybody's got a different experience and a different story. When the hypothalamus gets activated, and it's also responsible for a number of different things, it's relaying a lot of information from our body to different aspects of our brain. It will talk to this little gland known as the pituitary gland. And the pituitary gland secretes a lot of hormones in our body that's responsible for many different processes. One of those hormones is known as ACTH, or adrenocorticotropic hormone. And when the hypothalamus gets activated, it tells the pituitary gland, okay, you need to drip some ACTH into my bloodstream. Now that goes to our adrenal glands again. But instead of going to the medulla, the center, 
it goes into the adrenal cortex. And the adrenal cortex releases a number of things, but one of those things that it releases again is that adrenaline. And that creates that same cascade of events of increased heart rate, blood pressure, respiratory rate, and so on. But what is more concerning when the endocrine system starts to adapt for you is this becomes more of a long-term problem. And what that can lead to is things like increase in blood pressure for sustained periods of time. So now you're not just getting a spike in your blood pressure, but maybe now you're experiencing borderline hypertension or high blood pressure. Maybe you're experiencing longer periods of time where your blood sugar is elevated. If you're getting blood work done, you're seeing what's known as your fasting glucose measures gradually rising. Maybe you're experiencing more anxiousness or anxiety attacks. Maybe you're developing a chronic pain type syndrome. And so the two examples that I've really given you is our hind brain, our animal brain, is increasing stress in the short term. But if we're unable to manage these, our hormonal system in the long term will start to make more permanent and adaptive changes. And this can stress the system at a whole. Now, the question that I often get is, will this continue? And the answer is, once you start to make long-term changes in the hormonal system, it probably will continue along that path unless you start to make changes to try and attempt to push yourself back towards more balance within your nervous system. And much of this is done through changing habits, changing relationships, etc. So at a time where everybody's stress is really, really high, I just want to share with you a few things that I do personally to help me manage my overall stress in the day-to-day. And this is, again, just what I do that I found to be helpful for myself and my personal circumstance. The first thing is identify what is it specifically that is creating distress in your life. And the reality of it is, is there's probably more than one thing. I'll often have conversations with people or patients and I'll say, how, how are your stress levels? And they'll say, oh, hi. And I'll say, well, what do you think's causing it? And they go, I don't know, work. And I'll ask them again, well, is it work? I don't know. And one of the things that I think we've gotten really used to in society is we just kind of give these blanket answers without thinking. We'll say work or we'll say relationships or we'll say school if we're a student. But is it really that? Have you really taken the time to simply make a list of things that are stressing you out? Often what you'll find is when you start making that list, there'll be things that are on there that surprise you. And often the things that you think were causing these negative, distressing things don't make the list. So I think... First and foremost, identify. Identify the the single thing or the number of things that are creating distressful or negative experiences in your life. And all you have to do is write that down, maybe write down five or ten things. The second is to quantify. After you identify, how is that making you feel? Is it giving you feelings of anxiousness? Is it allowing you to be more irritable throughout the day? Is it preventing your productivity at work? Is it leading to poor grades at school? 
Has it caused you to lose your job? Quantify it. Make it visible. Make this thing that is invisible generally to people visible so you can see after you identify how does that fit into your lifestyle in a negative way. The third is change. After you quantify it, how are you going to change it? What is it that you're going to do, whether it's small or large, to help change that negative stressor into something that's more positive for you to experience? Now, these aren't always easy conversations to have because maybe if you're in a job that you really, really dislike, it might mean pursuing a different career and maybe you've been in that career for 15 or 20 years and you've really, really disliked it. But at least by going through this very, very simple activity, you'll be aware of that. And maybe you can't afford to change your career now, but maybe in two or three years, that might be something that might be more suitable for you. And you can start to make changes to move forward towards that rather than having not quantified it. You're almost blind to the fact that your career is causing you that much distress. In terms of the day-to-day management of your stress, and the reality of it is, Stress, distress, negatively perceived stressors are always going to be there. They're not going anywhere. That is the roller coaster of life. Often I'll hear people say, well, I've got these life circumstances that are going on. And yes, of course, we're always going to have these life circumstances. Things that I've found help me manage the day-to-day stress is having some sort of mindfulness practice. This is typically for me meditation. It's either guided meditation or silent meditation. As little as five minutes a day sometimes and as much as 30 minutes a day. And just sitting and having the ability to reflect a lot of the time has been really helpful. Writing things down or making lists of things that are working for you or not working for you. Journaling, those have also been shown to be really helpful. And then just taking care of myself, making sure that I'm exercising, getting good sleep, eating well, and avoiding negative things to manage stress. So often people might turn to drugs or alcohol to manage stress, and these habits are more negative in terms of stress management and will only lead you down that road further. The body wants what the body's getting. And often if you're giving the body more negative things, alcohol, drugs on a regular basis, poor lifestyle, poor food, the body will crave that. And it often takes quite a bit of change to break that cycle. But once you've broken that cycle and you replace that with things like nutrition, sleep, exercise, improvement of your social relationships, the body will then crave those environments and circumstances. Lastly, you want to be pursuing things outside of your career that are interesting to you. So for example, I really enjoy cooking. So I'm always cooking, creating in the kitchen on the weekend or in the evenings, especially if I've had a day that's a little bit more distressing. Exercise is also another great outlet for me. So these are things that I'll pursue to help manage my day. The last thing I think we have to recognize is nothing is permanent. There's always the opportunity for change and there's always the opportunity that this stressful environment, stressful situation will pass or will change. And a lot of that can be within our control and some of it is not, but just that recognition as well can often help calm me. So lastly, I just want to finally clarify that this is what has worked for me. I'm not a mental health professional. I do recognize that there are instances where people need to pursue things like counseling, medication, psychiatry, 
during this particular stressful time, if you're suffering from significant bouts of anxiety or depression, you certainly want to visit your family doctor or mental health professional to get that looked at. All this was was a little bit of education on stress where it comes from and how I manage my own personal stress from the day to day. I know that we're in a difficult time right now. I really hope that uh, this podcast shed a little bit of light on to what might be going on if you're feeling these symptoms of anxiety and hopefully you'll be able to take a little bit of what I said and integrate it into your own life in a positive way. What I want to know from you is during this difficult time, what are you doing to try and stay positive, manage your stress in the day-to-day, what's worked for you? I'm always looking for new tools, so feel free to leave them in the comments. Have a great Friday, folks. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you in the next one.